Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Morning. Thank you. You okay? Hello, I'm so sorry. I they were late, they were late to open my studio today. The guy got caught on public transport. And then I thought, well, I'll just finish on the dot and run home because it's not that far. But I busted my <laughs> ankle because we were doing hip oh. we were doing hip hop. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Um, Melissa, my dance teacher, said I was very good. I normally do musical <laughs> theatre and tap and ballet. But sometimes she throws in a bit of hip hop to get me uh, grooving. And I always go a bit like... Um, Carrie, is, do I have permission to do this? Is this cultural appropriation? And Melissa says, no, well, I'm inviting you, so it's cultural appreciation. <laughs> yeah, so I'm fine. I can twerk all I like. Exactly. No, I don't twerk. She doesn't, she doesn't let me twerk. No. There are limits. Mm. No one should be twerking. She doesn't um, let me. That's not fair. She doesn't encourage me. And so I've never done it. Um, are we both recording, Tom? I am. I am Cause now just, Because that part was funny. The Spontaneity Shop presents the Guilty Feminist Watchers and just like that, the Sex and the City Reheal with me, Deborah Francis-White and my special guest, Naomi Evans. Episode 7, Sex and the Widow. So may I ask, Naomi, what is your history with Sex and the City? Yeah. Sex and the City. Well, I was thinking about this last night and I managed to pin it down to when I was 15. And my first experience was actually of watching it in my dad's living room in Jamaica in 1998 because he lived in Jamaica and I would go and visit him every summer and spend like four weeks or three weeks there. And I was brought up in a Christian home and my church taught no sex before marriage. So when I was at dad's and he was in bed, I would go on to the satellite channels 
which were all from the US. So from the US, they would broadcast to the Jamaican stations. And I saw this program come up called Sex and the City. And I was like, yes, I'm I going to watch this show. <laughs> this is not on the curriculum at my house. Absolutely. So I remember dad was asleep and I was in the lounge and I put it on. And that was my first experience. So, yeah, I was 15 and watching it and going, wow, okay, I have never seen women talk about sex like this. Do you remember which episode it was? No, I don't remember. I just remember being... Because I'll be able to tell you. I just remember being enamoured by them sitting in these cocktail bars, in the cocktail bar, the four of them together with the Cosmos and chatting and just thinking, I've never seen anything like this before. Plus, I loved fashion, always have loved fashion and style. So seeing Carrie particularly, I was just mesmerised. Absolutely mesmerised by it. And Amazing. the credit, even the credits, you know, with the tutu. I was just like, Ugh. whoa, what is this? And are you someone that then later when you were grown up and allowed to watch all the telly you liked, then knows the show very well? Do you Have you watched the episodes a few times? Are you someone who's watched, who's picked a mixed? How How's your relationship with it? Yeah, so I've I've done like the box sets and and watched all of them. I have, I've never gone back and re-watched them. I've just you know, watch the whole thing once through. Watch the films as well, obviously. I'm sorry for your loss. I know, right? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, two hours, that was a... I'll never get back. <laughs> but also, it wasn't just the time that I lost. It was the feelings of affection I had for the characters because I just thought they have become grotesque yeah. in the films. Like they become a, a repellent people. You know, they were centre of their universe in the show. Of course, they were very self-centred people, but their charm and they, we had empathy for them. And they, that was a part of us that also just wanted to sit and obsess about ourselves and our relationship problems. It was the sort of, you know, the part of you that you are on a girl's night out with some cocktails, but yeah. they were like that all the time. Yeah, and also I just think two hours or whatever just does not work. What I love is the kind of short, sharp snappiness of it like you're reading a magazine you're flicking through a magazine and you're just getting little bits thrown at you you see like 30 outfits in one episode so you you don't need that sort of really long drawn out elongated version of it it just didn't work that's actually a great point it's something that should be taken in short bursts it's very the movie is like eating a whole birthday cake. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas actually it's nice to have a slice of birthday cake and that's yeah. what one episode is. And if you're up for binging, we've all had a slice of our own birthday cake and thought, oh, is there any left? And have yeah. a sl- just, but you choose to have a bit more. But if you're presented, eat this whole cake, you think, oh God, like absolutely. this is a lot to get through. Great yeah. point. So I'm going to very quickly, I'm going to do the quickest of quick recaps on this one. Yeah. Because I want to get into it with you. There's yeah. so much I want to talk about. So Carrie decides uh, it's time to go on a date again because uh, she's written a book. It's very sad, meta. Yeah. Uh, and her audience, her publisher says, will want a glimmer of hope. So she tries to go out on a date. 
the date uh, goes horribly wrong, horribly right, horribly wrong. Professor and, Puke, uh, as it, uh, Anthony brilliantly <laughs> calls him. Exactly. Professor uh, Puke. It's she and her date are both widow widowers. And uh, so they end up having too much to drink and vomiting. And so she thinks, no, I'm not going to be able to date again. Um, yeah. uh, meanwhile, Charlotte uh, has a falling out over tennis and apologies with her husband. Uh, Miranda tries to reignite her sex life uh, with her husband and fails and goes back to Che. Yeah. And uh, the other characters get a tiny little look in. So that's the, that's the top line. Let's yes. get down to it. Um, Naomi, can I ask you, because you run the brilliant Everyday Racism account with your sister and you're also writing a book yeah. about everyday racism, how are you feeling about the characterization of uh, the black, Asian and Hispanic characters in this show? If you were going to ask me before last night, I would have said it's all gone terribly wrong. We know historically that Sex and the City has lacked diversity in terms of race. We know that the writers have come out and said, you know, we need to do better. I think Cynthia Nixon said um, that she wouldn't do the reboot unless they sorted things out in terms of representation. Did she? Yeah, she said um, something like, I couldn't go back without a change um, in diversity. Well, so good allying there from she ran for governor. She's a politicised person. Yeah. However, and they have got a diverse writer's room. Um, yes. However. But I think before last night, it just, because I feel like last night's episode seven was a bit of a game changer. Me too. Okay, great. So it felt as if they had just put people in in this very tokenistic way and it didn't feel genuine, it didn't feel very authentic and I think this is one of the mistakes that's often made when people try and, you know, and I'm using quote marks here, diversify things. They just then kind of run around, find people, stick people in and go, yeah, okay, we've done it. And actually behind the scenes and maybe the writing and the storyline just didn't feel like they had thought it through. And I think you and I were chatting before and we had said, actually, they've started this whole series in the wrong place. In fact, I would go as far to say that last night should have been the first episode. I said exactly the same thing. I cannot believe, Naomi, we are on, because we caught up in Margate and yeah. we're just chatting about this as friends in the in a bar. Yeah. And we were there with <laughs> our Cosmos in a meta yeah. way talking about, we didn't really have Cosmos game. Yeah, it was I think a, we might have had a little ginger bit. beer. <laughs> it was, it was, a, we had a lunchtime ginger beer, but... It's an Enid Blyton version of Sex yeah. in the City. It was five, five go Sex in the City. Very We were literally on at the seaside with ginger beer. It was, it was it had Enid Blyton written Sex in the City. Um, but we were talking about the time. I think it should have started here. Yeah. I, I really don't understand. And I, I've listened to, since we spoke, I've listened to the, the Writer's Room podcast, which has yeah. helped me understand a little bit about what they're doing. And I okay. feel like... 
I spoke to Juno Dawson, who does a brilliant Sex of the City yep. recap podcast called yes. So I Got to Thinking. She's fantastic. I was DMing her because I was listening to her podcast about Sex and the City. I actually paused it to go, I'm so sorry to interrupt your podcast, but I feel like I need to be in the middle of this conversation. I've never done that before. Um, uh, this is what I'm up to, and I need to say this point. Um, but she said she's deliberately avoided the Writer's Room podcast because she's like, it can't need a companion. It's not James Joyce. Yes. It can't need a companion book. Like, if it's not landing, it's not landing, no matter That's what right. they say. But they were talking to Kelly Goff on the writer's room podcast she's one of the writers and she's a black woman and she said she was arguing with another black writer in the room about the scene where Miranda gets herself all tangled up apologizing to the professor about her hair so for me that that and a few other moments were so clunky I'm not saying that that scene was even wrong to have in because that does happen you know like a lot of people have said to me oh, you know, it was so over the top. It was so, and I was like, mm, actually a couple of months ago, I had my hair braided and literally was asked all the time, can I touch your hair and all of those kind of things. So that does happen. It's not that that's not unrealistic, but it did feel like that episode particularly, they were just signposting everything that they had kind of learned and read perhaps and just putting it all into one moment and making it, like, illuminating it, almost like they were trying to teach everybody a lesson. And I found it really awkward and cringy to watch. There was no nuance, no subtlety in it at all. And it and it felt really out of character for Miranda as well um, to be so flustered and, and not, you know, be sensitive to something I just yeah I just didn't buy it personally I totally agree and I felt a little bit better about it when I heard the writer saying I think she was trying to parody experiences she'd had and because I was seeing this as such a white show and white people centering themselves and like I knew there was a diverse rush, but it felt like Michael Patrick King going, I've made this mistake and yes. isn't it funny? And when I saw that it was a black writer who'd fought for it and another black writer in the room had disagreed with it, I was like, yeah. well, black people are not a monolithic group. Exactly. She, she said she was, I think she was basically parodying white people and going, this is how I live. That a white person, she wasn't saying anything offensive. She, What she was trying to say is on the website, you've got your hair shaved, so I didn't yes. recognise you with braids. Yeah, absolutely. That's what she meant. But then she couldn't just say that and go, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, she had to, like, over-apologise. So she, I think she's parodying what white people are doing right now. Yes, and, and it does happen, for sure. It's not that I can totally relate to that experience. I just felt like there was a lot in that episode um, where... It, it was like people were overcompensating all the time for the lack of um, exploration of, of race and representation and incidents in the past of Sex and mm. the City and trying to kind of like do it all within like two or three mm. episodes. And it just, did, it doesn't need that. Because it felt like the Sex and the City confessional booth, didn't it? It did. It was like, let's get all of this out in the first three episodes so that you know that we're addressing the issues. Let's self-flagellate. Yeah, and it just so it just didn't land very well and it felt very awkward to watch it all. 
I am so interested to hear your reasons for uh, why you think this should have been episode one <laughs> and what you thought of this episode. So the opening credits at the window, um, and I made a mistake because I was looking up pictures um, and I saw it all, it's all done in set. <laughs> and so there was just like, don't Google it because there's like this cardboard cut out. I could tell that. Window. I thought it was very evidently green screen. I know, but in my head, I'm like, she's in on the street. And then uh, I saw the filming and it ruined it for me. But anyway. I really wish they wouldn't do that. I feel there's too much behind the scenes stuff now. But we've seen all the outfits yeah. before the show and we've seen them in a way that they don't look that great because they're like, a pap shot on Instagram of, you know, yeah. in the wardrobe. And I'm like, actually, some Keep of the ones the I mystery. thought were horrendous I liked on screen. And I just wish we didn't. It ruins the magic. Yeah. Bit, so I, I kind of ruined it. But those opening credits for me were just incredible. And it just took me back to why I loved it. You know, the laptop, the right. I want her to do her monologues. I was waiting <sighs> for too. her to start. Um, speaking, to, you know, out loud. Um, I really wish they would because it used to link the thing together as it well. Did. So if it was like, again, Juno was saying this, everyone should listen to, uh, so I got to thinking. Um, but when she, like, it would have just linked it because we got this tiny snippet, for example, of Naya and her husband with her storyline about not being able to get pregnant. And it was so short yeah. that it was not really worth having. It wasn't a storyline. But if it were linked by, meanwhile, on the other side of town, you know, yeah. uh, Naya was also bumping into someone or something like that. Yes. It would just make me go, I can see how these things link. You know? Yes, exactly. So it's a bit, it's a bit jumpy, but the, the opening took me back. Um, and then obviously her getting back into her writing. I like that. And then I think one of the iconic moments for me was when she went on her date Mm. And she was wearing the blue dress, the one-shouldered Diana dress, I think it's called. And I was like, right, that's mm. Carrie. Carrie is back. This is what we want to see. We want to see Carrie getting back into life post-Big, post-Big's death. And that's why I think we should have started the whole series here. She's written 100%. a book. We're two years after Big her. died. Yeah, two, exactly. Two years Here's after Big died. She's got her f- new friendship group. We don't need to see all the awkward interactions of how they've now suddenly got, uh, you know, black and brown friends in their life. Let's just, just have that fun. already happened, you know? Like, I, that's where I, I feel it wasn't agree. authentic. Um, so yeah, and I love the scene where they were in the bar, Seema was there, um, and they were just all chatting again together. Did you think, Naomi, that fourth chair, it's almost like being auditioned, because at one point (laughs) Seema's in the chair, and she's going, you know, if you've got a mandate, you've got to date a man, and then in the next one, it's, (laughs) it's Anthony is on the fourth chair going... Um, well, I gave a hand job to a yeah. data waiter. And it's like, who could be most Samantha? Who could be most Samantha? I'm, like, I'm like, it's Samantha chair, but it's just like, could you just stand there and say something Samantha would say? Yeah. Um, 
(laughs) I don't know how they get around that because unless, you know, they're only going to have the three of them, which you don't want that. You want fresh blood in there. I think they, they need to mix it up. I'm glad that they didn't put Lisa, uh, Nicole Parker's character in, in that scene. Cause she oh. had, she came out this week. Did you see, um, and said about all the abuse that she got when it was said that she was going to be in the show? Because when they released the sort of early images, I think they were on Instagram first of the four of them together, people thought that she was replacing Samantha and she was like, no, 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 that's not what's happening. And obviously now we know her character is nothing like Samantha. Um, but even if she were, why abuse uh, an incredible actress? Why go on Twitter and, be, I mean, just people Because are so people awful. get very protective, you oh, know, yeah, over but, this but see, stuff. Then talk to the producers. Oh, why do they I always know. take it to it's the talent? Wild. Anyone's going to take a job. We all need jobs, for God's sake. She is probably the most beautiful woman in the world, I think, LTW. I'm going to be... I don't know if this is controversial. People might agree with me. I think she is stealing the show in terms of her style. <gasps> Interesting. I, I know do. what you mean. That one shoulder dress she wore for the auction this week. Everything. She comes on screen and she just steals the moment. Mm. Oh, it's charisma, isn't I it? I think. It's She's the got outfits are incredible. And charisma and she largesse. She's just got something about her. The style is spot on with her. And I know that they all have conversations with the brilliant people who do the wardrobe um, about what they feel is right for their character. And um, together they are nailing it, absolutely nailing it. She has got a quality, hasn't she? She's got quality. I didn't quite buy that she wouldn't know how to use a microphone at an auction. That seems so strange to me. I, I thought she'd be exactly she'd be the up same. there giving a husband and wife team up on stage, both very charming, both very charismatic, both very we've seen them at dinner parties like yeah. holding court. Why couldn't they do a fun auction? I didn't get that. I thought that was really like they were clutching at straws there for how they could create this argument. Obviously, we'll try to and make mirror. A bit of comedy. But I'd rather have them topping each other with jokes yeah. and being, you know, who's better at the auction rather than have them both be. He was very dull and everyone was talking through it. I think that might have been to give credibility to the idea that nobody bid on Carrie, that the whole auction was a bit, yeah, just a bit, a bit underwhelming. Dull. Yeah. And no one was really bidding on much because that was a great moment, the most humiliating yeah. moment ever. You're up on stage. They're meant to be dating to go out with you and nobody yeah. will bid on you. Oh, my God. I really... That felt like a really Sex and the City moment and I really felt It really did. It really did because that's what it has always been very good at. I mean, obviously I've got my criticisms of the show, but they were always very good at being able to show the humiliation that women go through. So obviously you can be very intelligent and you can be stylish and you can have lots of things, but you can still have these moments. like one of my favorite episodes is um the real me when Carrie falls over on the catwalk. Mm. Um oh yes. I think it's season four, perhaps. And I mean she looks incredible. Great character. Um Margaret Cho's character as the designer. 
Um, mm. She's incredibly funny in that episode. I think they should have brought her back, actually, to do, oh, yes. do more, reprise that role. I mean, again, that would have been authentic. Um, so point. she looks incredible and she's having this big moment. They're all there cheering her on. And then she stumbles. And I think, is it... Mm. Um, Stanford says she's roadkill. Yeah, fashion roadkill. Fashion roadkill. And Heidi Klum like steps over her. That's and right. She, um, she picks herself back up and she says, because that's what you do. You know, mm. you I've got two choices. And when things go wrong, you have to pick yourself up and walk. And I, I love that moment. And I think that's what Sex and the City are really good at. And so it was last night again. This is why I think it was an iconic episode was because they did that. They had it all. They had mm-hmm. the fashion, they had the drinks, they had the comedy, they had that the bad date. They the had joy. The, yeah. They had the joy, the bad date, the, like all of that. Can I posit something to you, Naomi? Mm. I think what they've done here is this. They've started it so clunkily, <laughs> with so much exposition, <laughs> that when they've put on a sort of pretty okay, below-average old Sex and the City episode, we've now gone, it's iconic because we're yeah. comparing it to what's come before. So they're actually, maybe they're doing something quite clever, mm. which they gave us nothing we wanted. It was all kind of, we came for the, the dresses and the frocks and the sex capades, and what we got was mourning, grieving, yeah. Yeah. and just general, like, really like, we're old now, we're having hip operations yes. and stuff, where I'm going... <laughs> Why? Why is this it? I, this is not women in their 50s that I know. I don't know women in their 50s, I mean, who were just sort of like cl- going on clunky podcasts. And like, I was just like, this is just nothing that I know. Yeah. And like making black women school them in, you know, racism and stuff. This is just, what is this? Yeah. And now we've had some fun dates. We've had some cocktails. We've had some wisecracks from Anthony. We've had... Now we're like, oh, this is iconic. Yeah. And I think it's actually, they've done themselves a favour to get a second season because if they save themselves in the last couple of episodes, people go, oh, now we want to see Carrie Day. We're finally there. Don't take this away. Yes. Yeah. And I think there's they've set it up well for being able to do another season after this. Although I would argue that whatever they did would have drawn attention. Everybody, you know, it was a bit like when the Adele album came out. You just could not move for people talking about it, anticipating it. Um, so I think whatever they would have put out would have Got would criticism. have done well. Yeah, done well and had criticism. I mean, yeah. people it's were true. We all very were gonna excited. watch it. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. We're all we're all watching it. Even every week where we go, but this isn't sex the city. I'll give it another go. Yeah, exactly. And I, the first night, I text um, some of my school friends, and um, because we used to watch it together, and I said, um, "This is awful," and they were like, "Yeah, are you going to keep watching?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course." <laughs> I think they might have done themselves a strange old favour. Because we've gone, yeah, this is what we wanted. Can we have some more episodes now, please? Yeah. Because they're nearly at the end of the season. Yeah. And so now we're like, oh, yeah, this is what we wanted. But I genuinely agree with you. I just don't know why they didn't start with two years on. She visits Big's grave or she casts his ashes. Yeah. She's ready to move on and we see her go out on her first date. Miranda and Steve are co-parenting. 
she's dating women and non-binary people. I, I don't, I don't know why they didn't do it, but anyway, they didn't. We are where we are. Can I ask you about some moments? Mm. Um, if you were single, Naomi, and we were friends, and I'd said to you, you know, at some point you'll be ready to date, and you'd be like, I'm really not yet, and I'm not even talking about that now. You know, um, I'm grieving. And then you said, oh, I've got to go out on a date because I'm writing this thing and, you know, I need it to be authentic. And I went, funnily enough, last winter, I put you on a bunch of dating apps. <laughs> You've already been out there. People are swiping on you. And people, other people think you are, because you've got a public profile, Naomi. People know you as the everyday racism person. And they already think you've been dating since winter because you're on a bunch of apps. What would your response be? And what would that do to our friendship? Can I ask? Yeah. I, when Seema said that, I was like, mm, no, I would not be impressed. I would not be happy about that. Obviously, her intention was, you know, <laughs> yeah. to do something. However, however, as we know, we've learned from the internet, intention is not, it's not as the same as impact. impact. Exactly. So I'm like, Kerry's response to that, like that is almost like sort of identity theft. Yeah. You cannot put someone else on a dating app. Absolutely. If you said to your friend, right, we're doing it now, I'm taking your phone and they're there and they're laughing along and going, oh, don't, oh God, I don't. Like, right, we're taking a picture. Which picture do you like? And you're sort of being cajoled. Yeah. But they're aware of it. Yeah. Or if you say, I'm going to put you on some apps and I'm going to see how you go and you're not going to get to look until I've, and they go, Fine, whatever, shut up. That's one thing. If someone put you on without your permission, yeah. I think that friendship is actually over. Yeah. And also, Carrie wasn't afraid to um, confront C- her, you know, in the episode where she, she broke, broke the, the picture. Yeah, she broke the picture. And that was, that felt quite um, awkward. So it is surprising that she was just like, yeah, okay. I think in a way it was more just to move the story on. So we quickly need to find you a date, but we haven't got time to sit here and do your uh, your Tinder profile. So uh, we're just going to quickly move this storyline on. It was, and I think it was, again, that Samantha role of I'm in PR. Yes. I will PR you. I'll take control. I'm going to make you a fabulous profile, but you could have done it this way. Okay, you've been saying this to me for a week now. So, because she says, isn't there someone that can just do this for you? Yeah. And, right, you said this to me last night and it's on the phone and it's already done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just cut to the scene where she was on the bed. And she messaged Peter or she swiped for Peter. They wanted to do the I'm an estate agent thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I've listed you like a house because that is that is a classic Sex in the City metaphor, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's it's sort it's obviously it's objectifying, but the joke is because I could see Sam saying, I'll PR your love life. Yes. I've done a few books. Um, so I got the joke. It just felt very creepy. She's yeah. a brand new friend as well. If that was Charlotte... Okay, I've done it for you. I'm like, okay, all right. I've known you since I was 12. Yeah. You know me well enough to know that I'm not going to be angry about this. It was a brand new friend. She's her estate agent. Yeah, (laughs) Your estate agent showed you four houses. Then you agreed to go for a drink with her. And that's why it would have been... (laughs) (laughs) 
that's why it would have not. been better for them to have these more established relationships yes, yes. in the first place. My and best friend, you, you know, one of my best friends from, you know, yada, yada, yada is, you know, yeah. I just know this estate. I'll ask Seema, she's, she's There's great been a big estate. gap. We could have made friends in the last five years. So, yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Speaking of time lapses, I also loved, and it really reminded me of the autumn leaf falling yeah. when big leaves town and it's the seasons change. And we started with the autumn leaves and then, you know, we're sitting and watching her and then, we're, then there's the snow and then yeah. the song is all about spring and we see the snow melt. Lovely. Yeah. Then Miranda says, I sent Shay a text three months ago and I'm like, yeah. what? We've just watched the seasons pass. What are you talking about three months ago? Just like, doesn't matter. I know. We, they just thought, they just thought like it's too long to say six months or a year. They're just like, ah, I know. Months. It was so strange. And also just the whole thing about, oh, they didn't DM me. Well, you can see when someone's seen your message, like all of those things. I just felt like it was, that was a bit clunky. Yes, that's true. You can see, because I think it was like, they're on Instagram, aren't they? Yeah. And they have a big following. And of course, people miss messages, but you know when some, it says seen when someone's seen Mm. your message. So just (gasps) WhatsApp them. I would have called this left me on red. And yeah. I would have had some kind of, but would have been R.E.D. and it would have been some kind of red gown or something or something at the auction would have been something red. I don't know. I haven't thought it through clearly. <laughs> That's not a great pitch. Michael Patrick King, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, the pitch would be better than that in the room. We're ready for you. That Because that's a modern problem. It is. It is. Although I just feel like if somebody doesn't DM you, you just WhatsApp them. I don't know, if you've had hooked up with somebody and you say, would you like to hang out again? I can see Miranda's fear. Yeah, fair enough. As somebody who, it is true, you do, if it was social, if it was you and me. Yeah. And I said, oh, I'm going to be in Margate next week. Are you around? And you didn't, I'd just say, oh, did you see my message? Yeah, that's true. But if we'd hooked up last time I was in Margate... And then you left me on red. I'd be like, oh. Yeah, hookup's different. Naomi's regretting this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They didn't enjoy that. (laughs) She's going to cross the boulevard in Margate to avoid me. (laughs) No more ginger beer for me. (laughs) Ginger beer's out. Ginger beer, by the way, is very much an innuendo between us. Yes. Um, It's not. Uh, It is now, though. 
Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, now, can I say, what did you think of Miranda trying to replicate the, I really hate this word, but the fingering in the kitchen. Oh, I know. Between Shay and her in Carrie's kitchen, she tries to do it with Steve in her own kitchen and add this element of surprise. Yeah. Add this element of danger that her son and girlfriend might come home oh. because that replicates Carrie being in the next room. So she's yes. trying to set up all the same pieces on the chessboard. Yeah. Um, a bit weird with a son, but okay, yeah. fine. We'll, we'll allow it. Sex the city, we'll allow it. How did you feel about that? I felt for Steve. I really yeah. did feel for Steve. Because he doesn't because know. Because he doesn't know. And it's that classic situation. I mean, I've done it so, not this. I was going to say, I've done it so many times. <laughs> I've done it husband. so many times. God, this is going to be a scoop. <laughs> not this. But where in my head, I've played something out, a scenario. I've gone home to talk the scenario through whatever not got the response that I thought I was going to get and then taking it out on the person they've got no idea what I was expecting so I just felt for Steve in that moment especially as as well he did want to have some intimacy with her so I was like if you did want this to work and you wanted to work on the intimacy in your relationship then take it to the bedroom, light some candles, like have a have a moment. But the point is that Mar- that's not what Miranda actually wants. I think she was just quickly trying to say that she had. Yeah, exactly. Because, and uh, do you know when he killed it though, to be fair to her, he killed it. Firstly, don't say the word lube. Um, <laughs> but secondly, if you are going to go there, just go like have some like high status disability, go wait there. Like, make yeah. her excited by, like, you know, don't say the word lube. Secondly, no. don't say, oh, while you're getting the lube, shall I put the tops back on these pots? Because otherwise it's going to smell immediately. Like, I oh, know. You've absolutely domestic. Yeah. It just, oh, no, the I mean, words lube and smell are not allowed. <laughs> and if any men are listening to this, I need you to know that because women already know it. And then they're, they're just laboring that point as well of they've fallen into the trap of this like domestic no excitement anymore um and I think they're laboring it a little bit I just she feel says dessert again as let's have dessert which is there now this is what they do sex. all the time yeah it's fine I like dessert I mean yeah and actually they had a really epic thing on the go the other night where they had like lots of ice creams with toppings mm. and I was like yeah sex is nice but have you tried a have dessert you tried buffet? skittles on a yeah I like it so she was so angry with Steve for cheating on her and now she's making him unbeknownst to him replicate yeah. The cheating scenario. So she's clearly never going to tell him because she can't tell him now. She can't go, well, what happened was is maybe she will. I had sex with someone in a kitchen and they fingered me. And he's going to go, so that thing you tried to make me do. Yeah. 
How has her morals changed so much? From because there are people that are like, ah, sex is only sex, and okay, fine. You know, we the other way around when Steve cheated, they hadn't had sex a long time. So there are people who go, that's not great, but okay, we'll take it from here. And there are people that punish their partner like she did. Well, there was no understanding that he hadn't had sex for a long time. He confessed straight away. He felt terrible. There was no, he, she was just, he was like dead to her. And now, how is she the same person that's doing this and she feels no guilt? She never says anything about Steve. No, that's true. There's never been any discussion about how this could hurt Steve and, um, you know, how they're going to approach this and what the, what the outcome could be. You know, um, I'm not sure how this is going to play out. I think Miranda will confess to Steve and I think that they probably will split. Yeah, because she clearly needs to be free for season two to go out and do all the queer fabulousness, which was, again, what we want. Yeah. have just been there from the top. I don't need to see Steve humiliated like this, actually. No. I think I'd rather see him having a fabulous time with a girlfriend and co-parenting anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, How did you feel about Carrie's date with Peter, where she goes in, he immediately says, I'm a widow too, and his wife died in a very sad way, and then let's have some drinks. And then that hard cut to them really laughing, followed by the vomiting. Did you enjoy that? Did you find that... Funny. I did. I thought it was very sexy. I saw some people yeah. not liking it and I was like, oh, it's so no. sex in the city. I it's did. so fun. And that's what I mean about we don't, this show is not going to be the most profound of shows, you know, you? like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need, from this show, I don't need that kind of depth. Hundy P. And so for me, the quick cuts are quite nice. I like it. I just, I want 40 minutes of this. I think it's the smart, it's such a smart cut, such a funny, smart cut that we think, oh God, this is going to be the date from hell. Um, And it reminded me of her practice date before she went on a date with Burger. Do you remember yes. she goes on a practice date and the guy's got a sty in his eye and then there's a fly or a bird or something and it all goes yeah. horribly wrong. And it reminded me of that. She's having a little practice date. She's just going to go out and try it so she could say in the book, yeah, now I'm dating again or whatever, yeah. just a glimmer of hope. And then we cut from, oh, this is going to be the worst date in the world where they're going to talk about tragedy to let's have some drinks. And they obviously have so many drinks. They're having an amazing time. They fall out of the bar, hysterical crying. It's so wonderful when you get to a place like that with someone you're really crying with laughter, doubled over. But he's drunk so much he vomits and that (laughs) makes her vomit, which again, that can happen. I believe it. And then it's just, oh my God, that... We can never speak of this again. Yeah. And so when he turns up at the school, we know he's a teacher and he is obviously a teacher at this fancy school and can, I don't know what teacher can afford a 1,050 pound date, but he bids, guess he's paid well at the fancy school. And she thinks, you know what? We did have a fun time. We have got this in common. He's someone that at least understands what it's like to be widowed why not go out again? And that's her glimmer of hope. And I loved that. That felt so Sex and the City to me. It did. It was lovely. It was such a nice moment. And I love the way that they ended the show with that, you know, and you knew that she was writing about this glimmer of hope. And he just seems like a nice guy. He's not going to like light the world up, but he was just a good start date. And it did, it just, it did feel like sex in the city again. 
definitely. 100%. Like he's date of the week. Yeah. He's your guest star date. He's not going to hang around. He's not Big or Burger or the Russian or Aiden, but he's, I don't feel he's long for this uh, this series, but he's just that guy who. That's uh, what she needed know. at that moment. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, I always find that trope of, oh, I'm not going to be able to write the book now because the day didn't go well. I find out like, <laughs> you're a writer, make it up. Like, it's like <laughs> 10 ways to lose a guy, you know, that yeah. film. Yeah. And Kate Hudson pretty early on falls for Matthew McConaughey, yeah. but like, I've got to keep writing the article. I'm like, it's a BuzzFeed list. Yeah. Bang it out in half an it hour, make matter. it up, <laughs> tell the guy, I really like you and go out with him. She's no like, one's no, going to fact check it. <laughs> oh my God. Like now I have to keep behaving in the most erratic way. Like I have a personality disorder and yeah. every time I'm a different person so that I can write this crappy article for this women's magazine. I'm like, nobody would do that. And it felt a bit like that. Oh, well, now my book will never come out because I can't say I've got a glimmer of hope. I'm like, no, you went on a date. Yeah. Just write. It's fine. I've joined the apps, like, you know, poetical way of saying that. Um, or make up a great date. You're a writer, for God's sake. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved that moment where she's, being auctioned off, just the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen to you. Um, I loved those little comic moments, like somebody looking like they were bidding and then going, no, we've got a spill over here. I know. Her having to and bid on herself. Oh, my God. You seeing Charlotte and Anthony in the audience um, just looking mortified for Why her. Why were they not bidding? Just keep, just bid on your friend, for God's sake. <laughs> Charlotte so did. Charlotte was like, $700. And Oh, it was... Eventually. Yeah. What was Harry doing? <laughs> Harry, you've hardly got any lines. Get in there. <laughs> Speaking of Harry, uh, what did you think of Harry and uh, Charlotte's tennis slash apology slash mansplaining storyline? I found that very odd. That, to me, didn't really fit anywhere. I thought that maybe they were using it to... They're doing this thing where they're comparing all the time Lisa and her husband and um, mm. Charlotte and Harry. And that's irritating me a little bit. One of the worst lines that I've heard from previous episodes was when Anthony said at the concert. Can I guess past- black Charlotte? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is that it? Yes. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I don't know wh- why you're doing this. We don't need to have like a replica of Charlotte. Lisa is a woman in her own right, you know, and she's fabulous. So just let her be her. Um, So this comparison thing between them, I'm not really sure where that's going. It felt like it came. I I just don't know what they're doing with Charlotte and Harry here. I like the storyline of them navigating rock, you know, their, their kind of understanding and how how they're going to move through this um, as parents. I wish that they would do a bit more on Lily. I think there's a whole story there that they're ignoring. You know, this whole thing about, well, we want to diversify. Well, actually, you've got Lily there, who Charlotte adopted from China. She's part of this story and you've not really developed anything there. Lily's barely had a line. The only line was Lily saying, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I know how I feel about it. Lily says to her mother, you rescued me. And then Charlotte says, no, you rescued me. Yeah. I don't, I, listen, maybe some adopted child has said that somewhere, but speaking of how keen they are to 
bang the we're not white saviors drum or yeah. don't be a white savior drum. I was like, oh my God. And also I think they're playing into this real model minority myth with Lily. She's like the, you know, the perfect student, the the piano protege, all of this kind of stuff's going on. Um and I I think actually that would be a looking at Lily and Rock, I'd like to see a little bit more of them rather than this thing of like, oh, we're now comparing Charlotte and Harry to Lisa and her husband. Like, I don't, I don't know. I can't really see where that's going. I always try and look for links to old episodes, to old sex. What are they shadowing or what are they evoking or whatever? I'm sure half the time they're not doing that. I'm just seeing it. Because <laughs> I've realised, I was like, I've started to realise I could do it with friends. I was saying to someone the other day, because the beeping of the dishwasher last week reminded me of Phoebe. Phoebe. And the beeping all night. Yeah. So I was like, I could actually equate this to friends. Because remember Chandler and Monica play tennis and get very competitive. Yes. With the boss and his wife. They're yeah. playing mixed doubles. And I was like, I reckon I could correlate so much to friends. Yeah. Or so much to like, cope your enthusiasm or Game of Thrones. Like, you could probably do it with anything. It's like the Bible. It's like you could find anything. Uh, but it did remind me of Charlotte uh, playing tennis with Trey. Yeah. Because that was that very grand, you know, upstate New York uh, waspy feel. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Trey, when he gets angry that he's not able to perform in mm. bed with her, he and she kisses the gardener, he goes out and he's playing tennis in boxer shorts and no shirt. Um, and she goes out and talks to him. So tennis has sort of had an evocation before of yeah, it problems has. with her husband. And I thought, oh, I'm seeing a, yeah. a link. It's probably <laughs> not really there. Um, but uh, what I did, I know exactly what you're saying and I agree with you. What I did like about it was I felt... This was a little piece of slice of modernity around her just saying, women apologize all the time. We're yeah. bored of apologizing. I'm not apologizing to you on the tennis court. You told me to get in there and be, and that one of the hazards is you might fall over. I'm not apologizing to you. You're a mansplainer. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is just a slice. It felt to me like a more appropriate, lighter touch go at bringing something contemporary into yeah. Sex and City. And that was, that was a great line from Charlotte when she said that well I apologize all day so I'm not going to do it to you I did really not, like that I'm line. not doing it over tennis she said tennis is yeah. the one place where if I you know I don't have to say sorry exactly. and I go there to release that stress so if you want to play with me you know, and, and she never said sorry in the end which I liked yeah that was great and I think that kind of more subtle <laughs> subtlety is what we needed and you could do that with the things to do with race as well and the you know the things to do with um you know if you're looking at transphobia or homophobia you can do that without doing the really like I'm gonna knock you over the head with a hammer I mean wouldn't that be lovely what did you think of Naya and uh, her husband and the I have a toddler I have a toddler <laughs> where they she nearly they're talking about how they can't have babies because the text has accidentally read itself out uh, on a, an app in the car. That's how her husband finds out she's got her period. She's not pregnant that month because Miranda's text is read out, not Miranda's fault, but the fault of technology. Yeah. She's embarrassed and then nearly hits parents with a toddler. How did you feel about that? Yeah, I thought that was a great comic moment, especially when they turn to each other and they, <laughs> she says, they've got a toddler. <laughs> yeah, it made me I laugh really as well. I really like that. 
Um, it felt like old school Sex in the City again. Yeah. It felt like a joke. It's like uh, this man shouting at her, I've got a toddler, and uh, over and over again. And, of course, they don't have a toddler, and that's he doesn't know that's hurtful. He's yeah. was angry that he feels they nearly killed his child, fair enough. But it was the that character was so Sex in the City, that guy, the sort of, He's quite kind of camp and angry at the same time. And um, yeah. it felt very Sex the City to me. And also the publisher feels very Sex the City to me. Yes, the kind of stereotype, the caricature. Um, I thought, yeah, the publisher worked for sure. Fast talking, uh, lateral thinking, you're amazing, bigging you up. Um, yeah. like, like the publishers of Your from her old book, having cover problems again. But last time her cover problem was she didn't want to look too sexy on the book. Yeah. She wanted to look sexy but not, you know, overtly. And this time the book cover's too sad. And, <laughs> not and she's, too she's sad. not on it either. It's just, it's literally an image and her name, which did feel a little bit depressing. So I think the notes from the publisher were a good idea to do the glimmer of hope at the end. Mm. I actually really liked that. Can I guarantee you that is not the only note from a publisher? No. I mean, if that is your only note, you know you're getting a big advance. So Absolute lol that that was the only note. It's not the only note. It's just not. It's never going to be the only note. It's not. In a million years, it's not the only note. So just that's lies. If you're writing a book, it doesn't matter who you are, that will never be the only note. No. But obviously we don't want to see all the little line notes. But yeah, you can't have her on the cover though. It's not appropriate. It's not like in her old book, the first book that we saw, she's in a jacket with no trousers yeah. doing a coy look. What's she going to do? Stare out a window in a black dress? I know. With the rain falling. It was called a memoir, though, or something. Yes. I can't remember. That. And I thought, oh, no, that's not a great title. I wish that she'd done a novel about it, honestly. Mm, I thought that's what it was in the beginning. Mm, no, it's not. It's a memoir. And, I mean, that's what kind of rush she is. I, I can't mm. be picky about that. But... Uh, I do hope that in the next episode she is right out again dating and she's we're really getting back right into the heart of the comedy. Yeah, that's what we want to see. Do you have any predictions? Well, everyone's talking about Aiden. I don't want him back. He, he was my he's already said in the press he's coming back. I'm so sorry. Oh. To tell you. Okay. Yeah, he's right. in an interview. He said he's back. I bet it's just a scene, though. I hope so. Because if I'm, like, for me, I know everyone, you know, talks about Big and, you know, that he was awful. And, and of course, he was awful to carry. But for me, Aiden, I didn't really warm to him. He was so controlling. He was controlling. And he was boring. Yeah. Sorry, John Corbett, if you're listening, and I'm sure Nothing you are. against John Corbett. I bet you're really fun. But, but. the character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I no. kind of agree with you. I, I think it's just going to be a bump in. Because he's married with 100 children now. Like, yeah. Not everyone can be, I mean, unless he's divorced. They could divorce well, yeah. him so she could go back. I think they should push forward, though. I agree. I think, actually, it's always a bit disappointing. You think you want what you had. And then it's a bit disappointing. It's just watching John Corbett be old. Yeah. What I want to see is the, I want to see the dates. I want to see the dating experience of an older woman. I want to see a date someone very young and have sex with someone very young who enjoys being, like the apps have totally changed what's possible. Yeah. 
what you can say up front. It's not just like bumping into someone at a bar and thinking, oh, you're kind of cute. Someone up front can text you and go, this is the kind of sex I'm into, or this is, I don't want one night stands. Or like, you know, people have big discussions before now and young men set their settings to over 50. You know, that can happen. So I love the idea that she can now, through apps, just date a furious variety of men. I'd have to see one episode where she goes on six dates yeah. And that can be, you know, pops and then one can really work out or whatever. Absolutely. I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. And obviously it gives us the chance to see a lot more outfits as well. Date outfits, which is just, oh, yes. yeah, glorious. Glorious. Absolutely <laughs> glorious. More of the blue dress, please. Um, thank you so much, Naomi, for coming and joining us. Is there anything you came to say that you didn't get to say? I was just going to say really about the the representation in the past of some of the people in Sex and the City, um, some of the problematic representation. I was reading an interview with one of the actresses who, do you remember when Samantha dated the black record producer I do very well it's probably the worst episode that they did and she has that really awful line that um when they're on the um they're in a club after in the evening and Samantha's having an argument with her date sister who says she doesn't want her brother who's black dating a white woman there's not really any context to that at all and Samantha says I don't see color I see conquests Um. um yeah it's icky and um I read an interview with the actress that played um the sister recently and she said obviously when she got the part she was just she was in her 20s she was over the moon to get this part in Sex and the City. Obviously wouldn't have had any say in the role or the storyline or anything. She just, she took it. But now she looks back and she thinks, yeah, it was, it was problematic. Um, and I think we do this thing of like, what, when we know things now, we do better. And I agree with that, you know, like at the time, I don't know what Michael Patrick King was thinking. Um, Now they're trying to kind of make amends for that. But I think people just don't want tokenistic representation. We want, you know, you don't just want to be there for the sake of it. You want something that is authentic. And I think that's why I was really pleased with last night's episode because I did feel like it was much more authentic than we've seen. Yeah. Listen, I have just loved having you on. Do you have anything to plug, Naomi Evans? Oh, my goodness. Well, yes. I do. We've written a book and it's Sounded. out in April. It's available for pre-order now. It's, um, it's called The Mixed Race Experience. So, yeah, it's about um, what it's like to grow up between two worlds and have multiracial heritage. Yeah, so. I'm so excited to read it. In fact, I'm excited to do a Guilty Feminist episode with you about it. I am also very excited about that. 
So Guilty Feminist, we will be doing an episode about it. We're looking to do a live episode uh, with Naomi and we will tell you more about that as it unfolds. But in the meantime, it, it comes to me to say thank you so much, Naomi Evans. And you can follow Naomi Evans at Everyday Racism. You have been listening to the Guilty Feminist Watchers and Just Like That with me, Deborah Francis White, and my very special guest, Naomi Evans. The producer for the Spontaneity Shop was Tom Selinski. The Guilty Feminist is part of the ACAST Creator Network. And Just Like That is on HBO Max, the United States, and Sky Comedy in the UK. Join us next time for episode eight Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Bye.